Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're in Acts 4. And before we start reading, let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for who you are. I just lift up this time, Father. I lift up this podcast. I lift up all that I am to you. And I offer it to you and pray that you'd be in charge, that you'd be the one controlling all of it, and that you'd be honored and glorified. I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open, that we would listen and that your words would speak to us, your thoughts and your wisdom, and your Holy Spirit would commune with our spirits and that we'd be filled with your spirit, Lord. May you be honored and glorified and be the focus of all that we do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today we're in chapter 4, and it's a little bit longer, um, about 36 or 37 verses. So I'm just going to go ahead and get started reading it. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter, seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who had heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. That's pretty impactful. The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Anas, Anas, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, Anas, the high priest, was there, and so were, so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how, we, how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you, healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had, seen, had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. It's kind of like, hey, how do you refute that? So they ordered them to be withdrawn, to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called him again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they, be, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. 
for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and, heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your, sa- your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were, no needy, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was destroyed. Distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So there's chapter four. And the theme that I keep reading is that the Holy Spirit is at work in a mighty way, in a mighty way amongst people who had been in hiding who had been fearful, who had been afraid, who didn't understand the powerful strength of God that could be theirs. And were suddenly given that wisdom, that insight, were given that Holy Spirit and let it flow. They let it rip. And they didn't back down. And it's from there that the thousands and thousands were saved. And you and I to this day thousands of years later still read and know about what happened and the power of God and the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read a little bit about Tozer and his thoughts and reflections on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is first of all a moral flame. It is not an accident of language that he is called the Holy Spirit. For whatever else the word holy may mean, it does undoubtedly carry with it the idea of moral purity. And the Spirit, being God, must be absolutely and infinitely pure. With Him there are not, as with men, grades and degrees of holiness. He is holiness itself, the sum and essence of all that is unspeakably pure. The Holy Spirit is also a spiritual flame. He alone can raise our worship to true spiritual levels. For we might as well know once for all that all morality and ethics, however lofty, are still not Christianity. 
The faith of Christ undertakes to raise the soul to actual communion with God, to introduce into our religious experiences a super, supra-rational element as far above mere goodness as the heavens are above the earth. The coming of the Spirit brought to the book of Acts this very quali- quality of supra-mundaneness, this mysterious elevation of tone not found in as high intensity even in the Gospels. It's pretty true. That intensity that was brought, Peter and all of them are boldly speaking about Jesus. They're all speaking at the, they're going to the temple and preaching. All of them, not just Jesus, who was God, but all of the people. The, the flame of the Spirit is also intellectual. Reason, say the theologians, is one of the divine attributes. There need, no, there need be no incompatibility between the deepest experience of the Spirit and the highest attainments of the human intellect. It is only required that the Christian intellect be fully surrendered to God and there, there need be no limit to its activities beyond those imposed upon it by its own strength and size. How cold and deadly is the unblessed intellect. A superior brain without the saving essence of godliness may turn against the human race and drench the world with blood, or worse, it may lose ideas into the earth which will continue to curse mankind for centuries after it has turned to dust again. But a spirit-filled mind is a joy to God and a delight to all men of goodwill. So think about that. Hitler, Mao, Pol Pot, some people would say Soros, others you know, you can go throughout history and look at those people. And then you can look at Mother Teresa. You can look at Jesus. You can look at the people who have changed the world for evil. They were smart. No matter what you want to say about Hitler, no matter what you want to say about those guys, those people, they were smart because they knew something. And how to. they were incredibly smart and they could move huge organizations, huge numbers of people to evil. And yet, if you have so if you have that intellect, but you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you don't have God, your actions are bad. Versus again, look at Mother Teresa. You know, it's like night and day. Anyways, with that, I'm just gonna close this with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you so much for the for your day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. I pray for your Holy Spirit to dwell within us each and every day. I pray that we would learn how to just release them, to rest in you and let you and your spirit work in us. I pray for your guidance and your strength. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Hope you have a fabulous day.